0: When I think of COVID-19, the first thing that comes to mind is the image of someone clawing at their doorframe and the sound of them screaming as they're being dragged out of their home by men in white suits. Soon after we began the daily COVID cases and death counts, we had our first lockdown, all the toilet paper was gone, everyone was baking bread, a new class of vaccines had been introduced, and the government had begun urging us all to do the right thing by getting vaccinated. They said it would take two weeks to flatten the curve, But it's been two years, to nowhere. In late 2019, videos of people being forcibly confined in Wuhan, China began appearing online. But at the time, no one took it seriously because, as Nicki Minaj once tweeted, I can't speak to, agree with, even look at someone from a particular political party. People aren't human anymore. If you're Black and a Democrat tells you to shove marbles up your ass, you simply have to. If another party tells you to look out for that bus, stand there and get hit. And that's exactly what we did. This was in part because Donald Trump was one of the first politicians to recommend closing the borders. Again, we closed the borders very early, took a lot of heat over that decision, but it turned out to be the right decision. But because it was him. Why do you keep calling this the Chinese virus? There are reports of dozens of incidents of bias against Chinese Americans in this country. It's a lot of people say it's racist. It's not racist at all, no, not at all. It comes from China. And because he insisted on calling it the Chinese virus, the media had license to ignore him. Italian government officials encouraged their residents to publicly hug Chinese strangers to stop the spread of prejudice. Nancy Pelosi walked through a crowded Chinatown and encouraged people to visit. You should come to Chinatown. Precautions have been taken by our city. We think it's very safe to be in Chinatown and hope that others will come. Canada's own Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, dwindled our resources by sending 16 tons of Canada's PPE to China. And the Chief Public Health Officer, Theresa Tam, condemned racism on Twitter while assuring Canadians there was no need to wear masks. Is Canada not telling the public to wear masks because we're worried about a shortage and we want to make sure that doctors and other frontline people have them? There's two separate reasons, I think, for sure. Absolutely, we want to protect our frontline healthcare workers. For the public, I think the scientific evidence is that if you are sick, then put on a mask to prevent those droplets from flying. Um, Putting a mask on an asymptomatic person um, is not beneficial, obviously, if you're not infected. Um, What we worry about is actually the potential um, negative aspects of wearing masks. Before it spread globally, too many of the people raising alarms about the virus had the wrong politics so they were ignored while we began fighting the virus, of racism. The Stop Asian Hate movement was and continues to be necessary. And at the same time, it felt strange that the media and government seemed generally unconcerned with the emergence of SARS-CoV-2. We all know what happened next. Unfortunately, here we are two years later with not much to show for our efforts. Despite the multiple lockdowns, social distancing, three or four doses of mRNA vaccines, travel restrictions, vaccine passports, mask mandates mass firings of unvaccinated people, months of virtual learning for kids, and the refusal to allow unvaccinated people onto university campuses, cases continue to rise. The medical care system has been on the perpetual brink of collapse since 2020, and in Canada, we're in yet another lockdown. Nothing we've done has worked, yet we continue implementing these measures because the government continues selling the idea that we must all make some sacrifices because it's the right thing to do. But according to our government, it may take a lot of sacrifice, and for a long time. The original vaccine schedule included, at most, two doses of your chosen vaccine. This, they said, would be the end. Hearing this statement from CDC director, Dr. Rochelle Walensky. Our data from the CDC today suggest, you know, that that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick, um, and, and that it's not just in the clinical trials, but it's also in real world data. But on April 23rd, 2021, Pfizer announced that it had reached an agreement to continue supplying Canada with vaccines until 2024. We are preparing for six calendar years of walking in circles. In March of the same year, an article published by the Public Health Agency of Canada speculated that COVID-19 would likely become a seasonal illness with an expected peak between January and March. That would be right about now. The article of course has its limitations, but concluded by saying that we need to begin anticipating and preparing for seasonal outbreaks by addressing the holes in our healthcare system. That includes ensuring we have appropriate staff and bed management. We have some reason to believe that COVID is here to stay and the government seems unwilling to publicly reckon with that reality. This might be because our healthcare system is broken and it has been for some time. So we're taking a different approach to healthcare. We're reversing the role. You tell us the best way to run things, and we'll make sure that we implement your ideas. We are zoned in on the healthcare system because that is the backbone of any community. Ending hallway health care is absolutely critical. In January 2019, the government of Ontario released a report called Hallway Healthcare, a system under strain, admitting that the system is facing capacity pressures and it does not have the appropriate mix of services, beds, or digital tools to be ready for the projected increase in complex care needs and capacity pressures in the short and long term. That was 12 months before we'd even heard whispers about COVID-19. This used to be an exercise gym. Now it's a makeshift hospital ward with no bathroom, little privacy, and beds separated by portable screens. Southlake Regional Health Centre is a 500-bed hospital in Newmarket, north of Toronto, Its overcrowding affects patients from the moment they arrive in the ER. Alone in a hallway is no place for your moment of weakness. It is not a place for your moment of need. It's no place for your final moment. Let's bring dignity back to Ontario healthcare. A vote for Kathleen Wynne is a step in the wrong direction. This message is brought to you by the Coalition of Ontario Doctors. For years, the system has been inefficient overcrowded, difficult to navigate, and stressful for both patients and providers. And not only that, but it has an insufficient number of beds, a problem that is mentioned throughout the report and that has become distressingly clear in recent years. All along, the government has known that the healthcare system was stretched thin and disorganized pre-pandemic, and COVID is simply exposing how fragile and inadequate it truly is. But instead of addressing that, the government is shifting the blame. Onto you. It's not their fault that the system is broken. It's your fault for needing it. One of the driving forces behind coercive or forced vaccination is the need to prevent the collapse of a healthcare system that was already on its way down to begin with. Blaming unvaccinated people is a convenient way for the government to avoid taking responsibility. But those who work in healthcare or who rely heavily on the healthcare system, know the truth. Before the pandemic, it was not uncommon to wait all day or all night to be seen in urgent care. It was not uncommon to wait months or even a year for referrals to specialists. It was not uncommon to see people laying in hallways because there weren't enough beds or rooms available. In fact, it's so bad that we even coined the cute phrase hallway healthcare to capture the effects of our capacity issues. In a densely populated area like the GTA, the hospital with the largest ICU capacity only has 48 beds. It was not uncommon to meet overworked and therefore inattentive or unsympathetic staff And that's not to disparage the healthcare professionals who've been working throughout the pandemic, but to highlight how the system is failing not just its patients, but its employees. While the healthcare system has been collapsing for years, the government has taken this opportunity to deflect blame onto the public while refusing to address their own shortcomings and poor planning. The Canadian government has been woefully unprepared to manage healthcare needs long before the birth of SARS-CoV-2. Of course, the pandemic contributes to the strain, but it did not create it. It's just bringing it into the open this is the straw that broke the camel's back and the government knows this just like it knows that it has locked us into a contract with big pharma to take boosters of an investigational vaccine for years to come just like it knows that there is a strong possibility that covid will become endemic just like it knows that it is violating people's rights to bodily autonomy just like it knows the lockdowns are creating a silent pandemic by ruining people's mental health and that the healthcare system is not equipped to support them Just like it knows that health is holistic, so we cannot fight COVID by ignoring the social determinants of health in favor of coercive vaccination policies. It knows that having a job, eating healthy food, and having a safe place to sleep are foundations to good health. And it knows this while it robs people of educational opportunities and forces them into unemployment on a fast track to poverty and homelessness. It knows that people are justified in being critical of the situation unfolding before us. It knows that we're not crazy but that doesn't stop them from acting as though we are. And Mr. O'Toole, he's worried about protecting anti-vaxxers in his caucus. He is not standing with the 80% of, almost 80% of eligible Canadians who've chosen to do the right thing because they want to end this pandemic. Because he's defending the freedoms and the choice of anti-vaxxers who are putting us all at risk. I'm here to protect the freedoms of those who did the right thing. I want to stand up for the choice of those who are there for their neighbors. There's been a very public effort to defame unvaccinated people in order to justify stripping them of their Section 7 charter rights to life, liberty and security of the person. Rather than being regarded as concerned citizens or cautious consumers, they are being stigmatized as conspiracy theorists, anti-science, anti-progress, selfish and more. When people think less of you they're less likely to care if they see you being treated poorly in fact they might even enjoy it the premier of quebec francois legault recently proposed taking increasingly punitive measures against the unvaccinated people in his province unvaccinated people in quebec will now not only be required to pay a health tax or as i call it a fine but they'll be barred from purchasing alcohol and cannabis or entering big box stores like costco and walmart without proof of vaccination An article in CP24 says the new mandates won't apply to pharmacies or grocery stores, but fails to mention that both of these retailers sell groceries and house pharmacies. An article in the CBC quotes Legault as saying, I think it's reasonable a majority of the population is asking that there be consequences. These policies, and others like them, are punitive measures that act as torture porn for politicians and the sect of vaccinated people who've come to believe they are morally superior for, quote-unquote, doing the right thing. New cases are spiking in Quebec despite the region having one of the highest vaccination rates in the world. Vaccinating roughly 90% of Quebecers over the age of 12 has failed to provide herd immunity or relieve the stress on their hospitals. Perhaps their healthcare system is in the same shape as Ontario's. Although there's a higher percentage of unvaccinated people who end up in hospital, 50% of COVID-19 beds in Quebec are still taken up by vaccinated patients, which stands to reason that Vaccination will not rid us of the virus or end the pandemic. But reason died in 2019. Tyranny rules now. I'm going to translate in a moment, but late last year while addressing French-speaking Canada, Justin Trudeau had this to say. We are in a difficult moment because we are des important choices. Euh, on est en train de décider que, oui, on va s'en sortir de cette pandémie par la vaccination. Puis on on en connaît tous, des gens qui sont I- en train d'hésiter un petit peu. On va continuer d'essayer de les convaincre. Mais il y a aussi des gens qui sont farouchement opposés à la vaccination. Qui sont extrémistes. Qui croient pas dans la science, qui sont souvent misogynes, souvent racistes aussi. C'est un, un, une petite un petit groupe, mais qui prend de la place. Et là, il faut faire un choix en tant que leader en tant que pays, Est-ce qu'on, est-ce qu'on tolère ces gens So to translate, he said, "We're deciding that yes, we'll end this pandemic with vaccination. We all know people who are on the fence and we will continue to try to convince them. But there are also people who are fiercely opposed to vaccination. The host chimes in and says, "They are extremists." Justin seems to agree by adding on to her statement, who don't believe in science, who are often misogynists and racists too. It's a small group of people, but they take up space. And we have to make a choice in terms of being a leader and a country. Do we tolerate these people? This rhetoric is disturbing and frustrating, especially knowing there's reason to believe Justin Trudeau does not expect this pandemic to end anytime soon. As evidenced by the government's contract with Pfizer, the report by the Public Health Agency of Canada, and the climbing COVID case rates despite 80% of Canadians being vaccinated. But you dare not question our supreme leader. Lest you too be labeled a selfish heretic or a misogynistic racist, you must simply swallow your questions, suffocate your doubt, and trust in the religion he's making of science. Science is meant to be an objective, dialogical process of questions and answers that leads to the discovery of truth. It does not shun questions, it invites them, and where it does not have answers, it searches for them. And in this moment, we don't seem to have the answers. The lockdowns, the masks, and even the vaccines have not done much to change our situation. It's time to admit that, lest we spend six calendar years walking in circles like a horse chasing a carrot on a stick. It makes no sense to keep pushing for a course of action that is clearly failing. Some counter-protesters decided to get creative and brought their own signs. My sign says I demand the right to be ignorant and selfish, and it also says I know more than scientists. Because a lot of the people you see here today will tell you that they've read something on the internet that somehow supersedes the World Health Organization. Vaccines seem to hold a special status in medicine that prevents them from being meaningfully criticized. There's a strong stigma attached to those who dare question any vaccine's safety or effectiveness. And because of this, there's been little room to critically discuss the new class of mRNA vaccines, the vaccine passports, or the vaccine mandates. The government has been able to use this to their advantage to spread confusing rhetoric and implement oppressive policies with little justification. Paradoxically, we are meant to believe that the vaccines are highly effective, but not effective enough to stand on their own. Vaccinated people are told that they are protected from the virus, but cannot forego masks or even be around unvaccinated people without great risk. Consequently, unvaccinated people must be barred from all non-essential places, like work, universities, and gyms. In our society employment is apparently not essential, neither is education, nor participating in activities to improve your health. As the vaccines began failing, the narrative changed to accommodate waning immunity. The purpose of the vaccines was no longer to prevent infection and transmission, but simply to minimize symptoms when you inevitably get infected. Although it's now widely known that vaccinated people can get and spread the virus, these companies aren't being condemned for misrepresenting their product. Instead, The public is being punished for acknowledging the truth. Never mind that Pfizer paid the largest healthcare fraud settlement in the history of the Department of Justice in the United States—$2.3 billion for fraudulent marketing, ignoring safety concerns voiced by the FDA, and paying kickbacks to healthcare providers to induce them to prescribe drugs. If they are lying about their product now, it wouldn't be the first time. I think it's fair to say that the vaccine doesn't work as advertised. Yet, doing anything short of praising them is considered misinformation and science denying. Even as Omicron surges through vaccinated populations and unvaccinated people are gaining natural immunity from infection, we refuse to discuss this and instead push for mandatory vaccines. Oddly, natural immunity is only ever acknowledged when discussed in tandem with vaccination. If you're unvaccinated with natural immunity, it doesn't matter. If you're vaccinated and gain natural immunity through a breakthrough infection, you are quote-unquote superimmune. Though strangely, even super immunity won't exempt you from needing a third dose. This makes it feel like a gimmick to reframe breakthrough infection as something positive, to avoid having them be recognized as a sign of failure. But don't worry. Just do the right thing. It's time for your booster. Roll up your sleeve or lose your job. I genuinely believe that many ordinary people rallying against the unvaccinated would be better suited rallying for the freedom they were promised, then denied, even after rolling up their sleeves. The vaccine is not only failing to uphold its promise to stop people from falling ill and spreading the virus, but it's also failing to buy back their freedom. Vaccinated people haven't been left alone. They're in lockdown with everyone else. They're still wearing masks. They still can't go out to eat. They're back to e-learning. They're still getting sick. And soon, they may not even be considered fully vaccinated unless they submit themselves to the first of many boosters after being promised it would only take two shots. One last thing that's really important is we're not in a position where we think that any virus, including the Delta virus, which is much more transmissible and more deadly in terms of non unvaccinated people, the various shots that people are getting now cover that. They're, they're, you're okay. You're not going to... You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. The government has been clever in creating a propaganda campaign that's convinced people to voluntarily forfeit their rights while backing them into an ideological corner. If at any time between now and 2024, you decide you've had enough, your status as a vaccinated person may very well be reframed as being an unboosted science denier and the narrative you've helped create will be used against you. You too will lose your job, be denied access to education and pushed out of public life. You too will have your valid concerns and pleas for autonomy be cast aside as selfishness and idiocy. You will be subjected to whatever punitive measures the government decides will get you in line for your mandated shot. And the measures are getting worse. Rather than working off an informed consent model, the government has turned to coercive care. They're no longer even pretending to seek consent, They're seeking compliance by any means necessary. And while you may not care what happens to unvaccinated people now, you might care when your vaccine passport expires and you become one. You might care when the prime minister is suggesting that your life is not worth tolerating. Protesters on hospital road today expressing their anger at vaccine mandates and other pandemic public health measures. Part of a series of planned demonstrations, which organizers say are meant to stand up, for personal freedoms. We support everybody. We're proud advocates for medical uh, freedom, and we're pro-choice, so we're not anti-vaxxers at all. I wanna be sure that my message is not mistaken. I'm actually not against vaccination. I do believe that Canadians should continue to have access to vaccines if they want them. But I also believe that Canadians should continue to have access to choice. During the pandemic, the phrase, my body, my choice, has been the cry of those who oppose vaccine mandates. Although there have been mixed feelings about the appropriation of the phrase, I'm not sure they're wrong to use it. It's time to remember and affirm that the government does not own your body or have jurisdiction over your personal medical choices. In Canada, our legal tradition supports that when it's your body, it should be your choice. This right is supported by Section 7 of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, which protects our right to life, liberty, and security of the person. In R.V. Morgenthaler, the case that decriminalized abortion in Canada, the Supreme Court ruled that the right to liberty contained in Section 7 guarantees to every individual a degree of personal autonomy over important decisions intimately affecting his or her personal life. Liberty in a free and democratic society, they said, does not require the state to approve of such decisions but does require the state to respect them. But the right to make one of those intimate choices is being violated right now as the government sadistically creates the social conditions within which they hope you will feel forced to make the medical choices they desire you to make. The choices they seem to need you to make in order to fulfill their contract with Pfizer and anyone else they've secretly promised access to your body. They have also detached the vaccine from the realm of objective medicine by publicly and repeatedly framing vaccination as quote unquote, the right thing and making it a show of morality. The same case, R.V. Morgenthaler, also engages Section 2A of the Charter, which protects the freedom of conscience and religion. This freedom is interpreted to include the protection of conscientiously held beliefs rooted in secular morality. So that, for example, the government cannot force you to undergo a medical procedure simply because it believes the procedure is morally correct. That would mean that the government was, and I quote, endorsing one conscientiously held view at the expense of another, it is denying freedom of conscience to some, treating them as means to an end, depriving them of their essential humanity, end quote. As Justin Trudeau has stated many times, he believes vaccination is the right thing to do, and it's his plan to use it as a means to the end of the pandemic. But this requires him to use the bodies of Canadians as a means to those ends, with no regard for our humanity or right to control our intimate medical decisions. And I seriously want to ask you, what do you own if not your own body? What do you control if not the ability to decide what goes into it or who has access to you? Consent is not consent when you are pressured into giving in, or if you're afraid to say no. Coercion is not consent. What the government is doing right now is not only unconscionable, but most likely unconstitutional. Canadians should have access to the vaccines, but cannot be forced to take them. This is not a fight against the vaccines, but rather against the vaccine passports and coercive measures being used by the government to undermine the human rights it is obligated to protect. What's happening now is setting a very dangerous socio-legal precedent that will affect us all. The government is shirking its duties and grabbing power while, once again, convincing the masses to ignore anyone raising alarms by branding them as racists. History repeating itself so soon would be funny if it weren't so serious. We need to come together and tackle the challenge ahead with a spirit of community, compassion, and constitutionality. Will your government provide an actual card or proof of vaccination? The answer is no, we aren't gonna do it. We aren't gonna have a split society. When asked about implementing vaccine passports, Doug Ford, the Premier of Ontario, said that he did not want to create a split society. But then he did. And though it seems that societies have been split all over the world, they're all being split in different ways. While Canadians are on lockdown, other places in the world are living in relative freedom. What exactly is the science that is creating such vastly different policies? The truth is that natural sciences do not create policy, governments do. Our government has an issue with avoiding responsibility. In the same way that the government is shifting blame onto the public for its poor planning and healthcare, it is invoking science as a clever way to justify its oppressive policies and poor governance. Right now, we are living under a government that openly condones discrimination, proudly violates human rights, and is headed by a man who has previously been found guilty of unethical conduct while in office, specifically interfering with the Attorney General's prosecutorial discretion as she considered charges being brought against SNC-Lavalin, a company that, like Pfizer, was charged with fraud. It is stereotypically Canadian to smile, go along to get along, and apologize for everything, even when it's not our fault knowing that Canadians want to support their neighbors and do the right thing. The government has manipulated the spirit of compliance and kindness to drag us into hell, only to turn around and accuse us of starting a fire. Our country is not perfect, but we live in a society that is rooted in, at the very least, the pursuit of tolerance, equality, and freedom. We need to defend those values and fight for them to be realized, because if we keep going along to get along, we'll lose our freedoms and perhaps even more. What does it really mean when the Prime Minister says we should refuse to tolerate a group of people in our society? Do you want to find out? We need to wake up from the delusion that this is, quote-unquote, the right thing. Everything about this is wrong. And we need to wake up soon, because the nightmare will only get worse from here. This has been a long few years, and if the government has its way, it may be many more years to come. But there must be some way out of this that doesn't involve destroying each other out of frustration and misdirected anger. There are those among us who will not allow the Prime Minister to rally us against our neighbours with prejudicial comments or shame us into forgetting our human rights. With an emphasis on the last word here, we need to remember that we are the true North strong and free. There is a proverb that says it is far better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. And although I am cursing under my breath, I am also offering this as my candle. If the government is committed to being the darkness, then the people must be the light. If you'd like to read this piece and get links to my sources, you can visit feliciafalkner.com or access my piece at medium.com. I hope I've given you something to think about today, and I want to thank you for listening. Stay safe.